to the NFL. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Rookie Rundown here on the DWZ Network. As always, I am your host, Dallas. You can find me on Twitter at Salad Galore. That is Salad with two L's, my name backwards, as always. And guys, we had football. It's official. The season's about to start. It is the end of preseason week one. And so it is only fitting that I go through rapid fire all the games and touch on all the standouts that I saw any relevant things that I'm looking forward to seeing in week two and any players that kind of popped up on my radar that I wasn't expecting to see. So we're just going to dive right into this. Um, It's going to be a little bit shorter of an episode. So I will go ahead and get all the fun goodies out of the way now. Um, If you are not subscribed, not liking, not sharing stuff already, why don't you just go ahead and uh, like this here on podcast you're hearing on whatever streaming platform you are doing, you are listening preferences obviously on um go ahead and share it with friends go ahead and share the retweets and uh pretty much anything that any of the guys from the dwz network are posting on our favorite platform of twitter um if you're not part of the patreon you're doing it wrong um there's a lot of exclusive content in there and it's where i uh, share a lot of random rookie takes that you don't hear on the podcast but um other than that let's dive into the content guys starting with the first game of the week. We had two on Thursday night. So the first one I want to talk about is the Washington Redskins falling to the New England Patriots 22 to 13 on the back of two Ramondre Stevenson touchdowns. Um, Basically, there's only about three people of interest in this specific game when it comes to playtime for me. Um, Ramondre Stevenson, start right off the bat with that. Ended up popping off a 91-yard score at basically the last play of the game. But um, in totality, Ramondre Stevenson had 10 total carries for 127 yards and two touchdowns on the ground. Now, I know there's going to be a lot of people out there fluffing him up, pumping him up, and saying, oh, watch out, Damian Harris. But the thing that I just want to remind everyone is that all of this happened in the fourth quarter. Ramondre Stevenson didn't see any of the early work on the ground and a large portion of the game was not spent on the run game. It was spent specifically getting Mac Jones some work in the passing game. Pretty much all of the second and third quarter were predicated on Mac Jones getting his passes out. He was a cool 13 for 19, only got 87 yards on those 13 completions. However, for an average of 4.6 yards per completion, all in all the, main takeaway I took from either team is that Washington's defense is so deep and even their second and third team it just looks dangerous on a regular basis guys but for me Ramondre Stevenson temper your expectations um, until we see him getting those snaps closer to the first team I'm not even remotely going to be concerned about him um, you should not be acquiring him at an uptick in price anyone that's selling him right now is obviously just trying to cash in on that first big preseason game and it could very 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 easily be that mere Abdullah of this offseason period after that explosive play out Like I said, Max Jones was kind of underwhelming as well. And the only other player of kind of note that I was a little bit interested in on this is Jared Patterson ended up getting quite a bit of work for the Washington football team um, in the same vein as Ramondre Stevenson. Um, He actually led the team in targets and in carries. Uh, Saw a total of 14 touches throughout the entire game, was pretty consistent at about 
four yards a clip on the ground and uh, almost eight through the air. Um, caught all of his targets. So he's someone that's getting pretty involved in the offense. And with Antonio Gibson, really the only mainstay on the offense, uh, I'm kind of interested um, to see how his touches stack up against a guy like J.D. McKissick that extremely underwhelmed and who put on weight, which a lot of people have talked about, may be adverse to his overall outlook. So just keep an eye on Jared Patterson's usage over the next couple weeks. I want to see some more efficiency from Mac Jones before I start getting excited. And when it comes to Ramondre Stevenson, again, I want to see him creep those touches closer to the second and third quarter as opposed to the fourth quarter. The second Thursday night game was the Steelers versus the Eagles. The Steelers captured the win 24-16 over the Philadelphia Eagles. Um, This one was not really exciting to watch. There's a couple that I'm going to talk about, guys, where it just – Nothing really popped off the page for me. Uh, most of the mainstays that we were hoping to see work from, of course, did not see them. Najee Harris saw more work in the Hall of Fame game than he saw in this second showing against the Philadelphia Eagles. And all in all, there weren't any big standouts on the offense. Pat Fryermuth only saw one total target, actually spent a couple of snaps blocking, but was only in the game for a little bit. He is nursing an injury. So I'm just kind of excited to see week two from the Steelers standpoint, see these guys get a little bit more work. Um, I understand not wanting to get some people hurt in the preseason, but until I see Najee Harris get a full quarter or a full two quarters of work in the game so I can actually evaluate him, I'm not going to say anything drastic about his production. And the same goes for Firemuth. Um, but a lot of what I think with Pat Firemuth this season is going to be predicated on blocking as opposed to receiving with Eric Ebron still on the team. Um, transferring over to the other side, looking at the Philadelphia Eagles, um, again, we saw no Devonta Smith dealing with that injury still. Um, there was a wide spread of all the targets associated with it. Everyone wants to talk about the sophomore guy, Quez Watkins, one catch for 79 yards and a touchdown on that screen. Um, but ultimately, there wasn't a lot of production on this offense to go around. It's kind of an ugly game. Like I said, Kenneth Gainwell, um, <laughs> he didn't see a lot of touches, but I saw some people hyping him up. He did end up seeing four targets, which is something that is kind of interesting. But once again, most of his targets came in that third and fourth quarter after a lot of the first and second team guys even ended up getting off the field. So again, I just want to see the progression of guys like Kenneth Gainwell in their offenses before I start pumping anything up with those. Uh, transitioning into the Friday games, we had three the Titans beat the Falcons 23 to three. The bills beat the Lions 16 to 15 and the Cardinals beat the Cowboys 19 to 16 diving into the Falcons and Titans game. Uh, it was atrocious. What I saw from the Atlanta Falcons, uh, God forbid something happened to Matt Ryan, that team already struggling to find wins on paper this season um, could be a hundred times worse. Um, if any of the quarterbacks other than Matt Ryan are out there, I am so concerned. Uh, If you're curious, Felipe Franks had more yards rushing than he did passing in the game. Uh, He actually only completed two passes in the entire game, um, but had a pretty big run. So uh, there was some talk at the beginning of the season about him transitioning, hopefully, to something like tight end if he were to not make it as quarterback. And he's been showing the physical tools both in camp and in this first preseason game that I think that you could realistically see a situation kind of like what we saw with Logan Thomas as a transition in a couple of years. But again, total long shots. Other than that, there's pretty much nothing happening with the Atlanta team. They had 21 net passing yards on the day, which is just 
awful. Uh, and my guy, Javion Hawkins, did not see a lot of work. Um, he only saw a total of six touches overall. And he didn't do a lot with them. Um, like I said, the offensive line for Atlanta looked pretty bad. So, again, I just want to see some more work, hopefully with some starters in there next time, as opposed to A.J. McCarron throwing the ball, um, just so we can evaluate some of the younger talent on this team. And I'm excited to see Kyle Pitts more like everyone is. Um, transitioning over to the Titans, the Victor team in this situation, um, they predicated basically just the same ground and pound that we saw last year this year in the first preseason game um they (laughs) it's it's pretty crazy uh they ended up after this game was over with 37 rush attempts to 22 total pass attempts um which is just pretty gnarly uh they basically started running at a very inefficient clip and continued to do nothing but fill the stat sheet in the box score with rushes um they had a lot of defensive plays that I think kind of led into this a little bit, but it was really hard to evaluate anyone when they gave Brian Hill and Master Sergeant a total of 28 carries on the ground, bleeding out a good portion of the time of their time of possession. So again, not a lot to go on with this game. So we'll transition into the Bills Lions game. Um, this one was kind of interesting just because I got to see a little bit of work with my man, uh, Marquez Stevenson out of Houston. Uh, He's a burner for Buffalo. I see him filling that role for Buffalo. Um, Obviously, you don't really want to be relying on guys that are only known for their deep speed, but he did end the game with six targets. He caught three for a total of 50 yards and could have had a touchdown on one if he had been able to be connected with with Davis Webb. Um, But that's pretty much all we really saw. Um, The run game, once again, looked pretty anemic from the Buffalo Bills, which is concerning looking at this year. And if you're banking on anything from Devin Singletary or Zach Moss, um, but overall, it was just kind of a spread out attack for the Bills. The Lions, um, kind of the same deal, Um, just kind of spread the love to absolutely everyone. Amon Ross St. Brown only saw two total targets and basically got pulled almost immediately from the game. Um, Pretty much no one caught more than two balls on this team other than uh, Trent Kennedy. Uh, I think he's like a fourth or fifth year guy. So not a very exciting game. Not a lot of prospects saw work, so I'm not really going to do much analysis on this one. But I am looking forward to week two to see more from that Detroit Lions passing offense and see more from Amon Ross St. Brown as he stacks up as opposed to like the Brashad Perrimans and the Quintus Cephas when you're getting targets from Jared Goff as opposed to David Blau and Tim Boyle. So in transitioning to the last game of Friday, the Cowboys versus the Cardinals. Um, this one, <laughs> this one was okay. Um, I actually kind of enjoyed watching this one again. Uh, the same type of capacity where it was just kind of uh, spreading the ball around on both teams, but we did get to see a little bit more from the Cardinals offense than I expected. Um, Eno Benjamin was pretty productive. Uh, he ended up having quite a few touches, which is nice. Um, he has been impressing in camp, so a second-year guy just to keep your eye on. Rondell Moore actually tied the team lead for targets with five, which was pretty nice. He ended up reeling in three of them, but again, they were kind of shorter targets, kind of to be expected. Um, The one big play that we saw all game from either team kind of ended up with Christian Kirk. He had a, people are hyping it up as a one-handed catch down the sideline, but he body caught the ball, so I'm really not that impressed with it. Um, 
The guy I really want to touch on for this is another IDP guy. I talked about it on the IDP episode last week, but it's Jabril Cox. Um, it's the second week in a row that he has led the team in tackles and in solo tackles, and he almost doubled the next closest person. He ended the week with eight total tackles. The next closest was five. Um, so I'm pretty excited for this guy, guys. Um, I really think he's going to find a solid rotational role for the team as another weak side linebacker and i'm very excited to see what he can do on passing down specifically if you're in an idp league i'm serious if you don't already have him you need to go out and acquire him on the cheap before he starts to get actual snaps in real games this season transitioning into the saturday games we are just going to start off with my guy um justin fields i am not going to hype him up as much as possible the bears won the game 20 to 13 and justin fields did have a pretty nice second half but All the snaps that he got against the first and or second team defense of Miami didn't really look that good. Um, He seemed a little bit of flustered. The offense just really wasn't clicking for either one. And what I learned from this game more than anything is that both of these defenses are going to be pretty gnarly this year. Um, Extremely under the radar signing in IDP as well. Um, You can pick up Alec Ogletree for basically free in every league that I'm in right now after he got dropped by the Giants. And I almost guarantee he is a normal rotational linebacker that's going to see pretty close to six or seven tackles a game um, for the Chicago Bears. That's something to be pretty excited for. Um, Some players of note, rookie that um, got a little bit of hype but probably shouldn't be. Uh, Garrett Dokes basically saw quite a bit of work in the second half, but did almost nothing with his opportunity. He actually ended up with a net negative one yards on his six touches. So that should be a little bit concerning to everyone. Um, I think that this offense is going to do quite a bit more with their tight ends than we're hoping for. Um, Really didn't see anything from any of the wide receivers on the team. Um, Jalen Waddell did see a, Pretty good punt return at the beginning of the game, but he actually did not record a single target on offense. So that's just something to watch out. We're going to want to see him um, get a little bit more work in the future before we start pumping him up at all. Um, One guy that was heavily involved for the Bears that could be a sleeper as the true backup to David Montgomery is Khalil Herbert. Um, He actually ended up seeing seven total touches in the game and took them all out to a pretty nice pop at you're looking at about eight and a half per pop on the ground which was pretty good for a guy who could see our legitimate role if anything happens to david montgomery um, might be a late round stash for anyone who has not done their rookie drafts yet um, transitioning away from that game we're going to go to the chiefs 49ers um, where trey lance's bomb to a wide open receiver um kind of is sending people into a tizzy. Um, I'll just tell you guys, it wasn't against the first team defense of the chiefs. Uh, He fumbled the ball immediately the play before that. And the guy wasn't covered at all. Um, Now don't get me wrong. He put it on a rope with quite a bit of velocity behind it, which was nice to see, but seeing something you already knew from a quarterback um, doesn't really get him excited. Just like the Justin Fields rushing quarterback, (laughs) rushing touchdown for the bears. This preseason didn't really do much for me in that game. Um, seeing a quarterback do what he should do, i.e. hitting a wide open receiver is not something I'm going to get pumped about. Um, I am excited to see him get some more work with some of the first team guys. Pretty much every snap he took was with second and third stringer wide receivers and tight ends. Um, so it'd be cool to see him with some of those young budding stars for the San Francisco 49ers. Um, but all in all, this game, not a lot of 
prospects to watch on either team. Cornell Powell um, is the big name in KC, basically, to keep your eye on for most people in drafts and uh, basically waiver wire pickups after the rookie drafts. But he's actually hurt. He didn't see a single snap in the entire game. And Noah Gray was extremely underwhelming. He spent most of his time blocking in that game. So transitioning into another Saturday game, we'll look at the Broncos-Vikings. Um, the Broncos-Vikings game actually was a pretty even kill game between both quarterbacks, which is pretty nice to see. Um, it's neck and neck, so a lot of people are kind of divided whether or not you would prefer to see the upside that Drew Locke can give you or the steady Eddie production that Teddy Bridgewater can give you. And that's kind of what we saw. Um, <laughs> Drew Locke's five completions went for 151 yards and two touchdowns, and Teddy Bridgewater's seven completions went for 74 yards and one touchdown. Uh, They both saw passer ratings over 140 on the game and really just spread the ball all around to all of their playmakers that they have on offense to the tune of extreme efficiency on offense. Um, Denver basically never looked back uh, once – the first quarter was over. Their quarterbacks pretty much had just put it on their back and balled. KJ Hamler is extremely fast. Um, kind of exciting to see what he can do in the offense. But again, he's more of like that Mikul Hardman on their offense. He's not going to see a lot of targets, but could be a fun little play in best ball this year, depending on who the quarterback is, um, specifically if it is Drew Locke. Looking at the Vikings, pretty anemic on offense. Um, Kellen Mond did not look good at all. He averaged 3.3 yards per completion. Um, on his passes, just not good at all. Um, Amir Smith-Marset saw quite a bit of targets uh, to the tune of six, but overall turned those six targets into 12 total yards, zero touchdowns, and he had two drops. So it's just not something you really want to see from a guy this early. But again, um, just not getting very excited with what I'm seeing from Amir Smith-Marset. Specifically, I had brought it up on a previous podcast with D.D. Westbrook, pretty much solidified as the wide receiver three. Um, Segwaying into the Browns-Jacksonville-Jaguars games, quite a bit of rookies on both sides got some work on this one. Um, We saw Trevor Lawrence for a pretty extended amount of time, but not a lot of Travis Etienne. Um, It was kind of weird. He didn't get almost any carries (laughs) uh, in this game, which is concerning. It should be concerning, guys. He only got one carry on the game. Uh, He did see a couple of targets, but uh, sorry, one target, but uh, it was an incompletion. Uh, he ran a couple of routes actually outside. I kept noticing him literally running routes as like a wide receiver on the outside. And that's cool, I guess, but a little bit concerning for consistent production. Um, Carlos Hyde saw uh, more production and more targets and more carries than Travis Etienne did. And it's just something that you should be very concerned about. I want to see his production increase and I want to see his actual rushes increase before I'm even remotely starting to invest in him in any type of standard league for this year. Um, I believe he's going as the RB like 18 or something like that in um, drafts right now. And that's just flabbergasting to me. Um, Going on the other side, the Browns, um, not a lot of production from any of their specific young receivers that are rookies. Um, We didn't see pretty much anything from any of the main playmakers. They didn't start any of their starters. But the guy that is balling out and that got targeted 
constantly is Donovan Peoples-Jones. Um, I know I'm segueing a little bit out of rookie content, but I am going to be focusing a lot on rookies and sophomores. DPJ is serious. He's their wide receiver three right now, and he balled out. He looked so good. First play of the game was a designed play-action pass, just extremely tight coverage that he basically outbodied the guy for the catch on a deep slant. I'm very excited because he fits a profile that the team doesn't really have. Um, and he is a long strider burner on the outside. So Anthony Schwartz taking his job isn't something that really concerns me. And I'm very excited to see how he can basically transition most likely into a role at the end of the season this year, if they decide to move on or if there's an injury as well as next year, when inevitably we're most likely seeing a departure based off of salary cap necessity of OBJ or Jarvis Landry, or potentially both with the re-signing of Nick Chubb to a big contract and the soon to be extension of Baker Mayfield. So transitioning away from this game, we will go into the saints Ravens game. Um, the saints Ravens guys was one of those games where there wasn't a lot. There's a lot of defense, but there is one player, Mr. Tony Jones, Jr. He is a rookie out of Notre Dame um, in the same vein, kind of as Ramondre Stevenson. He saw a lot of his touches in the late third and all of the fourth quarter, but boy, oh boy, did he produce. He took seven carries for 82 yards and a touchdown on the ground. And he was actually targeted five times caught all five balls for 36 receiving yards. So he actually ended up totaling over 100 yards with a touchdown and five receptions, which for a PPR day, it's pretty damn good. Um, I'll take that from a guy who I didn't really know a lot about. He, Like I said, he's coming out of Notre Dame. Um, that backup role with Latavius Murray getting older is something that could very much be up for grabs. You have a guy that they brought in like Devonta Freeman, who took six carries for six yards. That is just not inspiring confidence. Pretty much lost his job, I would almost assume, based off of that first week that he had in this preseason game. So it's just someone to look at as a stash, specifically if, if you have Alvin Kamara. I think that Tony Jones Jr., um, is 100% going to be on your waiver wires, but could be someone that you guys could be picking up right now um, to stash and just see if he ends up making that 53-man roster as a backup and potentially as that RB3 in this offense. Um, going to another game, we were looking at the Jets-Giants. Um, this one was definitely the hardest one to watch any type of tape on from this weekend, um, just in general. No one really did anything. Wilson looked kind of okay, but not great. Um Jets line was getting blown up by second stringers all day um, by the Giants defensive line. So I don't really know if that's a pro Giants take or an anti Jets take, but the game was just kind of ugly. And I'm not going to say any analysis about any of like the relevant rookies right now because we didn't see pretty much anything. Um, Michael Carter got a couple of carries, had a blow four yards per carry average, but only got a couple. Um, it was a full rotation of receivers and running backs on both teams. And we still have not seen Kadarius Tony in any type of game action. Um, going into another game, looking at the Bucks and Bengals, um, the player of interest for me is Jalen Darden. He was targeted like crazy. He saw six targets basically from the get-go in the game. As soon as Tom Brady got off the field, Jalen Darden was the main target um, and took all of two attempted passing snaps for Tom Brady to get off the field. He got sacked pretty hard by Trey Hendrickson and they were immediately, all right, get your 44 year old ass off the field. Um, so Jalen Darden is a guy that I'm very interested in for long-term plays specifically next season. Um, he's almost guaranteed not to get any type of work this year, guys, but going into a potential off season where they could very well lose a B and, um, Antonio Brown, uh, sorry, Antonio Brown and Chris Godwin. Uh, like I said on my 
32 rookies in 32 minutes podcast a couple weeks ago. I'm very interested in Jalen Darden's outlook going forward. Um, honorable mention is that Chris Evans looked absolutely atrocious for the bucks. Um, but the thing that actually concerns me the most about the, um, Bengals is the offensive line. Uh, they were unable to pass protect. They were unable to open any type of gaps whatsoever for any of the running backs on the ground. And I think that not taking an offensive lineman early in this year's draft and not securing some in this free agent period for the 2021 season is really going to come back to bite them. Um, we're hearing a lot of camp reports about how the Bengals are kind of self-destructing in camp on offense and how their defense is looking very good. Um, I'm in the camp where I actually think that the Bengals defense could be a little sneaky with some of the additions that they've brought in. But at the same time, the offense might just very well go down with the ship with the offensive line. So it's just something to keep your eyes on with the next couple of weeks is to see if they can even remotely protect the first stringers that they have in there. Um, even though I don't think Burrow is really going to be playing in the preseason at all. Last couple games here. We're on the home stretch. The Houston Packers game. Um, the only player of note on either team for me is Brevin Jordan. Um, he ended up seeing four targets and two of them were with the first team. Uh, like I said in a previous podcast as well, he's been seeing a lot of work with the first team and he is actually neck and neck with Jordan Aikens for that tight end competition down there. Um, but I can tell you one thing for sure. No one is going to be performing on the Houston Texans. If Davis Mills is at the helm this year, um, I'm officially off the, off the train. He was sub 50% completion, sub hundred yards with an interception. It looked absolutely anemic. Um, all the highlights were really hard to watch, um, but somehow they ended up winning the game. So kudos to the Houston Texans. That might be one of your only wins this season. Um, on to the honorable mention section of this matchup, the Packers offensive line realistically might be one injury away from completely destroying their season. And this last you know, last dance goodbye tour that we're getting with Rodgers and Adams. Um, specifically, if Bakhtiari was to go down, I think that it would spell a lot of issues. Jordan Love looked pretty consistent, but he had to get the ball out extremely quick. And a lot of his stuff were single reads, short, shallow dump offs because the offensive line was getting blown up all day long. They couldn't open up any holes on the ground. Kylan Hill was the lead back, but he looked absolutely awful for a large portion of the game. Even AJ Dillon wasn't able to break any tackles. He's got, he got hit in the backfield on both of his carries. So it's just something that I'm very concerned about for this Packers offense going forward. Um, they lost a couple of key people in free agency. We're just kind of, I'm assuming hoping to bring in this young talent that they thought was going to be better than what we're seeing. But after the first game, against a team with not a lot of pass rush. I'm very concerned about this Packers offensive line. Looking at the Raiders Seahawks, there's actually two young running backs that I'm pretty interested in to see how their production continues over the next two games from the Seattle side. I'm looking at DJ Dallas. He was used all over the place. He actually ended up seeing seven total touches for 69 yards and a touchdown. Four of those were receptions on four targets so I'm pretty interested as a passing down specialist in general for him. Um, Rashad Penny didn't see any work in the game at all. So if DJ Dallas continues to perform like this as an RB2 for the team, it's someone that could easily spell uh, Chris Carson in that Seahawks offense if they are hoping to actually get as much rushing production as possible out of this team. And Pete Carroll really wants to, you know, segue back to that running game. Um, going to the other side, I liked quite a bit what I saw from Trey Rogas. 
Um, he ended up seeing 13 carries for 62 yards and a touchdown, and he actually saw five targets. So he actually caught all five. And so he saw 18 total touches in this game for the Raiders. And there's a very big chance that if this snap share continues, he could make this backfield even muddier for Josh Jacobs owners and anyone with any glimmer of hope that Kenyon Drake might be relevant in PPR leagues. Um, he looked good and I'm very interested to see if he starts creeping into those early touches just to see what they may have. And if Kenyon Drake truly is going to just transition into that awkward joker slot kind of role that we think he may um, looking at the chargers Rams game and rounding out our last two games of the weekend guys. Um, the person I'm kind of interested in right now is Tutu Atwell. I want to see what they're going to do with him next week and the week following. Uh, right off the bat with the first team offense, Tutu was out there. And Tutu was immediately schemed up rushes and targets like multiple times. I think there was four in the first two drives alone where they were trying to force feed him the ball. And that's something I'm very interested in. Um, he's got the speed to break away quite a few. He didn't do a lot of production with the touches that he did see in this specific game. But the fact that they're trying immediately to at least get him work, um, even if he ends up just completely flaming out like a Tavon Austin, um, even that first year with Tavon Austin, when they were force feeding production to him, he can be a little bit relevant. So with as late as he was going in drafts and as cheap as he may be, if you didn't watch that Chargers Rams game, he might be a guy you could at least just throw a complete flyer out there of like a fourth round pick or even a future late third, if you think you're contending and it might actually hit um, specifically because we all know Deshaun uh, Jackson cannot stay healthy. And he's a guy that fits that role pretty well. Um, my honorable mention is Larry Roundtree. Um, he surprised me with his efficiency and burst. Uh, he has a pretty good chance of pushing Josh Kelly and Joshua Jackson for this RB2 role behind Eckler. Um, he saw eight carries for 63 yards, and his burst was pretty nuts. He was extremely consistent with his carries, and there weren't a lot of um, huge breakaway ones, but he had consistently just 10 to 15-yard chunks over and over and over when he was just carrying the ball. And he did see quite a bit of work. He was actually sprinkled in there at the same time as guys like Joshua Kelly and Justin Jackson. So I'm excited to see how his production continues if they start transitioning away from him or if we just see a massive Eckler work role in these last two preseason games. But he's just a guy that I was kind of lower on. But after the first game, uh, my interest is just going to peak. Just the same with Tutu. I'm not going out and I'm not trying to like acquire these guys for any type of relevant capital that may be important to you in the future, but they're guys I'm kind of wanting to see what happens with over the next week. And then we'll go with the last game here and rounding out in a solid 30 minutes, quick pod for you. The Colts Panthers game that happened today. Um, I'm kind of upset that Chuba Hubbard is sitting behind Christian McCaffrey. I don't know how many of you watched this Colts Panthers game, but he looked like a freaking monster out there. Um, he looked so quick. And the thing that changed from what I saw in college on his tape is he looked decisive. He hit the holes just immediately when they were opening up. And that just literally accounted for him having over 11 yards of carry. 
and it's just nuts. Um, that Panthers offense is going to be fun. And I think that their offensive line is a little bit better than what people were giving them credit for signing up Morton, who is a top 10 tackle in my opinion in the league was pretty big. And if they can get some consistent, you know, blocking from their guards inside, I think that this rush game could be even more deadly now that you have another guy other than Christian McCaffrey. Um, like we said, after that injury last year, it would be shocking to see him as the same like 85% touch, um, have like an 80, 85% touch share like he did in his blow-up 2019 season. And so a guy like Chuba who can actually make banger plays with that minimal production is actually kind of interesting to me. Um, I was out pretty much immediately when he landed in Carolina as the backup behind Christian McCaffrey, because I'm not going to try and handcuff Christian McCaffrey if I do have him in any of my leagues, but Chuba, I'm kind of pissed that he's there. Um, I think if he had fallen to a different place, like, like Atlanta, potentially, um, I think we could have seen a real monster. So um, it's just someone I'm going to have fun watching in the preseason, but probably be ultimately extremely disappointed when he doesn't see as much work as I'm hoping him to see in the regular season. And the last guy I'm just going to talk about is Terrace Marshall. Um, it's just a little shout out at the end for catching a wide open ball, doing what wide receivers are supposed to do. He ended up turning in a nice day. So Chuba went seven carries for 80 yards and saw four targets and Terrace Marshall all in the first quarter, mind you saw three receptions for 88 yards and on five targets. So he was targeted heavily and often and early in the game. And from all accounts with camp and what we saw in this first preseason, I really think that's going to continue. Um, if he can start to gain some rapport with Justin Herbert, uh, not, not Justin Herbert, sorry, Sam Darnold, um, who we didn't see much in the game at all. I'm excited for Terrace Marshall. And he was my breakout guy this year um, that I saw a lot of production hopefully coming from. So it was kind of nice to see this type of game immediately off the bat, immediately with the first team talent surrounding him. So that's just a quick 30 minute pod guys rolling through all the teams, all the preseason week one matchups and notable players, things I saw and people I'm excited for Um, as always like share review, leave comments. Let me know in the group chat on the Patreon what you think. Um, Hit me up on Twitter. It really doesn't matter how you reach out. Just stay engaged. Love to talk rookies at all times. And I'm excited to talk with you about some week two production this time next week. Signing off, guys. Later. When we add up all those inches, that's going to make the fucking difference between winning and losing. a game yesterday and if we win one today that's two in a row we win one tomorrow that's called a winning streak